Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Uh, not concerned. Everything is something we can fix. As I, as I mentioned, you know, certain times you'll see them make a play. A quarterback will get out, do something that—that's what he does. And then some, some other things we can fix. And you know, we, we always take a hard look at ourselves. You know, how can we teach it better? You know, what what maybe do we miss as a coaching staff to help our players? Because our players are are really uh, bought in and working hard for us. So, um, you know, we're just looking for the little things. And it wasn't any one thing. You know, we just kind of mounted it up, uh, a little miss here and there. It turned into some yard for him. It hurt us. Ed Donatel, that was a master class in saying, so the, the, the first 15 to 20 seconds of that clip was him basically saying, my scheme is excellent. <laughs> and these guys ran it poorly against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So how can we, the blame is on us as coaches, how can we do a better job teaching these dumbass players how to run? That's how, right? He's like, you know, we just need to teach them better how yes. to run this glorious yes. scheme that I have brought over from Denver. I am a defensive <laughs> genius, and the fact that these guys cannot keep up with my genius is their these problem, <laughs> but I'll try and help them eventually. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the defense here to to start this feedback Friday episode of Mackie and Judd Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment Speculation Therapy. You can always send us we we stockpile messages from you guys through the Score North app, the feedback tab, uh, so we can read them on Fridays. And you can also hit us up in the YouTube comment section, Twitter. We're up over uh, ten or eleven thousand followers on TikTok now. Score North TikTok. That's right. We're blowing up all over the talk. Let's start with Mike Lee here. He says, am I the only person in Vikings country who thinks Eric Kendricks is absolutely awful at tackle football now? Why is this puny, timid, Paul Krausian middle linebacker immune from criticism? He is problem number one on this defense. Our middle linebacker is skittish and completely useless against the run. Nobody talks about it. Kirk this, Kevin that. Eric Kendricks escapes even the slightest amount of criticism, and he is without question the worst player on the team. Don't you guys see this? It is not politically acceptable to get on Eric Kendricks. What am I missing? Thank you. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, we criticized him last year, so we we are not on we the— We got smoked for that, too. How can you guys yeah. criticize yeah, we did. him? Um, okay, so somewhere in the middle, I think— I think we can all come to agreement that Kendricks is not the player that he once was. Um, I don't think he's the worst. I mean, that's very, very harsh. There are areas that it's correct, but I feel like it's 
It's overly harsh, but do I have concerns about the two guys that the Vikings are playing at linebacker in this scheme? Absolutely, I do. Hicks as well. Um, I think their goal is to, first of all, I think the goal is to actually not, I I think the smaller player is their goal because they want speed there. So, like, if you're you're like, well, this linebacker doesn't look like the guys that wore a neck roll in 1995, he's not supposed to. That being said, have we have we seen an obvious just from an eye test regression in the last year plus now? Yes. Yes, we have. These guys have miles on them. They have a lot of miles on them. 30 plus year old football players, unless they're really freaky quarterbacks, drop off. He's dropping off. Yeah, he was all right. Some of the some of this is hard like when you're watching a football game at live speed, you can tell oftentimes which offensive linemen are having a good or a bad day, if the quarterback's having a good or bad day. There are certain positions, unless you're staring at them for three hours, that it's really hard, unless you're studying film, it's hard to know. You can see when a linebacker makes a nice tackle or a nice play, but if he was two or three steps behind on a run play and you know didn't cover the hole that he was supposed to, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. So... Is pro football focus the gospel, the be-all, end-all? No, but they do consult for 32 teams, and they have smart people studying these intricate play-by-play uh, things, right? So Eric Kendricks in 2019 and 20 was one of the five or ten best linebackers in the NFL, hands down. He had a 90 PFF grade in 2019 out of 100. It dipped a little bit in 2020 to 82.6, but that's still outstanding. And he's been great in coverage, too, throughout his career. Just You, you constantly remember him popping up one-handed interception here, knock a ball away, diving play there, right? So a 90-grade in 2019, an 83-grade in 2020. That grade dipped to 59 in 2021. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and collectively in the first two games, it's 65 overall this year. But the biggest drop-off for him has been in the running game. It's run defense and tackling. Uh, he missed three tackles in the first two games. He he just isn't, and he's 30 and a half years old. He's just not as quick to the ball as he used to be, both in coverage and also in the run game. Yes. And I, th- I don't think it's fair to say that he's like the worst player on their defense. But name me a linebacker that turned 30, going to be 31 years old, that was the same as they were when they were 26, 27. I mean, like Brian Urlacher at the end of his career in his early 30s could barely move out there. Yeah, he wasn't very And polite. so to me, it's it's not a coincidence that the Vikings running game, partially because Daniil Hunter was hurt too, like that matters. But their, their running defense has taken a huge dip at the same time as Eric Kendricks has taken a dip, according to Pro Football Focus. So it's a thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. and and I think that this, and we, we uh, saw this in the loss on Monday night, this defense calls for speed. I mean, Philadelphia made the Vikings look slow. That's a problem. Um, the other thing that we probably don't talk about enough, and the Vikings have tried to replace this guy, but they've never, I don't think, come close to to replacing him at his best. Linval Joseph was dominant. Linval Joseph anchored the middle of that line um, mm-hmm. in a way that was Pro Bowl caliber. And they've tried with uh, Pierce. They're now trying with Tomlinson and Phillips. And you know what? Those guys might be fine. But we forget that that Kendricks lined up behind a guy who 
at his best was absolutely fantastic. And and he got old and now he's gone. And when you don't replace when you can't replace that guy, and I don't think we ever appreciated him en- enough because to your point, Phil, you know, it really doesn't show up uh, unless you go back and study tape. But that's another factor. When he was in his prime, Eric Hendricks had a guy in front of him who was probably top five in the entire league at his position. Yeah. He made, you know, he also made a really big play at the end of the Packers game in week one to kind of solidify the wind. His pass coverage is still pretty good. Um, but his play is not what it used to be. It's just clear, you know, realistic. Randy kind of made me try to apologize for him after the, after his game saving play in week one. But I had major questions about him going into the season. And and yes, he's clearly not going to be the same all-pro guy that he was with being one of the best linebackers as of two to three years ago. But can he still be a serviceable player in pass coverage? Can he do things that still help out the defense? I still think he can be that guy. But yeah, he's not going to be the same linebacker he once was. Uh, next question here from Jay Schwartz. This team looks like a team that basically had its last two drafts completely flushed down the drain. You're not always going to see it on the field, but Spielman's stench of absolutely tanking about 75% or all draft picks in the last few years is going to linger over this team for years to come. Think about how much talent is missing from the roster overall. I mean, that 2021 purge, the fact that you had four third-round picks, three are off the roster a year and a half later, uh, in fact, they made 26 draft picks in 2020 and 21, which is a ridiculous amount of draft picks to make, right? But you do it for depth purposes. All right, we're, uh, we're a little bit thin, so let's draft 26 players and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, one, let's see here, 2020, let's see, is Justin Jefferson, Cleveland. Okay, Cam Dantzler, Wanham, that's four. KJ Osborne, so maybe Josh Metellus. So of the 26, I would count 9 or 10 that are fairly regular contributors, but I'm also counting Patrick Jones and Kanea Wangru, and Wangru is only for kick returns. Yeah. So And Patrick Jones is, he's out there a little he's bit, start, I guess, Yeah, but, he's starting to play a little bit more. Yeah. So, but it's like maybe 8 or 9 out of 26, and I, I haven't compared that to the rest of the league percentage-wise, but the fact that they cut a bunch of third rounders, it does kind of feel like his point is right that boy, they had a chance to build some depth here and maybe like, you know, seven or eight guys at the end of the day are going to be helping you. It would be a fun exercise to take some work, but fun to go back and look at how many of in those two drafts, Spielman's trade backs to accumulate picks caused him to pass on guys who are now good players. Cause like that's been that was always my thing is like okay it's cool you you traded a third round pick and you got a fourth a fifth and a sixth but who did you pass on and like how many players uh, in a higher round did you decide to defer on because oh man I got three draft picks for one that would be a really interesting interesting exercise now to see who the Vikings didn't take in trying to accumulate those twenty six or a lot of those twenty six picks yeah. And I think in in a lot of ways, the draft is such a crapshoot that it does make sense to trade back and accumulate picks so that you can have a higher percentage of four guys panning out or six guys. Because every time you take away picks to move up, you're taking a risk on a guy that could be a bust. Right. But then you're also depleting the the depth. So I I understand why teams trade back. 
but uh, it it was it felt very few and far between over the 15 years that Spielman was here where they would say that's our guy we're going to move up and get that guy right you get why teams trade back and so do I but do you get why they do it that much and are you telling me your scouting department didn't just see you pass on at least a few a few guys in earlier rounds that they had scouted and felt could have contributed cuz i'm with you i i am not against tr- uh, trading back but when you say 26 picks you're right it's ridiculous that's a lot that's a lot of picks uh frank moyers asks what happens if the lions rock the vikings this weekend what do you think happens what happens if the lions rock the vikings well first of all i don't think they're going to but if they do um you know what I, we don't know the change is exciting, and the first game was too. But in fairness, we don't know what our expectations for this team should be. We don't. So if they get rocked, am I absolutely going to be floored? Now, if they no-show it and they're really poorly coached, but, I mean, Detroit can score points. Detroit also gives up a ton of points. In fact, I think they're second to last in the league to the Cardinals in that. But if they get rocked and Detroit just plays that well, I mean. Look, to me, this is probably a borderline playoff team in a bad division that you could win. But like, the I don't. Lions or the Vikings? The Vikings. The Vikings, in my opinion, are a borderline playoff team. But like, there's a lot of faith here. Like KOC turning Kirk into a player that Kirk has not consistently been. This is a this is an older team in a lot of key spots. So, like, this would not be a, oh, my God, they got beat badly, and I am absolutely floored. It, it'd be disappointing. And, again, if, if, they, if they no-showed it, that would be concerning, which I don't think will be a problem. But I'm, I'm sticking with this, you guys. We don't know exactly what to expect from this team yet. And so this, to me, is not a, oh, my God, a, play, a first surefire playoff team got beat by Detroit. I'd be disappointed, but I wouldn't be absolutely floored. Well. I have them, I, I do have them beating Detroit in mm-hmm. my preseason schedule prediction, but I also have them, I have them losing to New Orleans and maybe Chicago. So maybe you flip-flop the Chicago and Lions games. I have them starting two and three and still winning 11 games. So I have kind of built in mentally and in my predictions, at the end of the year, they're going to have things smoothed out. They're going to play some weaker opponents, a bunch of home games after the bye week in week seven. But getting to the bye three and three is going to be the challenge. So again, I, they play six games before the bye. I have them losing three of them in some order. And maybe now that we've seen some of the games, maybe it's, if, if they go three and three, maybe it's losses to Detroit or new Orleans. And then at Miami and they beat Chicago and you know, they, maybe they split between Detroit and new Orleans or something. My point is, I think they're going to start kind of meh record-wise and then pick it up after the bye anyway. So if they get smoked by Detroit, I would say whatever. I mean, okay. I think there's see, a little bit of happens in week four. I think there's a little bit of a pump the brake situation if they lose to Detroit. It's it's a pump the brakes as an oh, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a work in progress. Yeah, it's I don't it's I don't think it's a full on panic, but it's oh, this is this is going to be a little bit of a of a grind to being a above five hundred team to being a team that should be in the playoffs. But getting to the bye three and three, and obviously if you get there four and two, I think that's a huge win. But it, it might just be can you get to the bye at five hundred three and three? Assess your situation from there. But if you're four and two, it'll make life a hell of a lot easier just mathematically to make the playoffs. 
Yeah. I mean, if you go into the bye like two and four, you might as well start booking tea times, Declan. Amen. And I would go to the Meadows at Mystic Lake, one of the most award, one of the most scenic and award-winning eighteen-hole public golf courses. Finally, some fall golf weather. I just bought some new golf jogger pants that I'm excited to wear this weekend, baby. Oh, wow. I'm I'm ready wow. to rock. Uh, Judd is, uh, you know, is, I, I saw the I saw the swing on the Judd Athlete Challenge from four or five years back. Long time ago. It is on our YouTube channel. Just Google Judd Athlete Challenge. And he pipes a pipes an iron like 120 yards right on the fairway. So I think he's hustling us a little bit. But uh, Judd and I can go to the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Book your tea time now. GolfTheMeadows.com to learn more. GolfTheMeadows.com to book that tea time. Yeah, that was Judd's first golf swing in 20 years. Yeah. That was part of a, a, a bet on our show back in the day. At least 20 years. And lefty. I didn't know you were a lefty. Yes. Yeah, I golf I golf and bat left and shoot for hockey left and do everything else with my right hand. Very weird. Yeah, you had not picked up a golf club in twenty years. Yeah, it late, and we said, I believe late nineties. I think that's right. And so we had said, okay, how many strokes? What's the over under for Judd on a par three with no warm ups, no range, nothing, just picking up a club for the first time? And it was like a hundred, like a hundred sixty yard par three or something. And I think with listener help, we wound up setting the over under at seven and a half strokes. And then Judd pipes the first shot. Like we we thought, oh, he's probably going to hit one into the woods to start with, or or yeah. duff one. And now he's still on the tee box hitting two, and he hits it 120 yards right down the middle. Mm-hmm. And now he gets uh, what's the math? Six strokes from 40 yards out. And he wound up using I think six strokes total. But with, I might with have three yeah. putt built in there. But yep. it was it was never really in question. It's pretty good. So all right, uh, Donovan Germain says via the Scorner app, saw an article the other day with my new favorite Kirk Cousins conspiracy theory for why he plays terribly during primetime. They think he might have astigmatism, making it difficult for him to see clearly at night under the bright lights of a stadium. Judd, can you ask Kirk Cousins if he has astigmatism in his next press conference, please? The next time I see him, I will try to remember to ask that question. Now, I have that. And I know I know exactly what what he's talking about because I do have at night I don't see crap. It's really bad. That being said, wouldn't you think that he is probably at this point in time in in his career that that's been deducted and he's yeah. had like LASIK surgery? Like I I have a hard know, time still believing minivan. He might not want to stump for the laser surgery that they call the Kirk surgery. that they call Kirk in and are like, "Hey, Kirk," and he's like, "Yeah, you got a night chart here." Oh man, I can't read that. Oh, we got problems. So, but it's a. It, oh, maybe maybe he's reading the art chart during the day. Maybe the physicals are done during the day. But then. when I drive it at, at night, at night, whew, I don't. I, it's not good. Good to know. Could be. It's it's, it's stay away from me at night. Yeah, no problem. And I'm not I saying because I'm drinking. I'm just no. Right. It's not. Well, good. I didn't think that. It's not yeah, good. No, I know. I'm I just not, want to make uh, it very clear. Not getting near the car with you now. This is weird. Don't drink and drive, kids. Uh. Frank Marino says, which NFL team has the most playoff losses? That would be our Vikings with 30. Hmm. So I actually yeah. I actually looked this up. Makes sense, okay. And I closed, closed the page like an idiot. But uh, nice work. the Vikings do indeed have the most playoff losses of any team in NFL history. They have the, I think, sixth worst playoff winning percentage in NFL history. But I also think they, are, they have the most playoff wins of any team that doesn't have a Super Bowl championship. That's a hollow stat. Yeah. A lot of opportunity. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it all makes Frank, sense. Thanks, right. Phil. The Vikings get to the playoffs a Th- lot. Thanks for the update, Phil. Thank you, Phil. 
No, Frank. Frank, well, Frank and Phil. I'm just glad you guys both have looked up the futility. Uh, Mike Conlon here. He's our chief frustration officer in the Purple Daily <laughs> Leadership Cabinet. Busy. He says, I am, he's he's definitely uh, living up to his role here. I am overwhelmed after the Philadelphia game. Such a frustrating game with the lack of offense. The defense looked like a preseason game with third string guys out there. Special teams was the only good thing about that game. I am okay with the tough loss, though. I really didn't think they would be uh, winning in Philadelphia anyways, and I tempered my expectations for the season. I am hoping that the team responds and we destroy Detroit. I think it will tell us a lot if things have really changed or if it's just more of the same from last year. Listen, there's a lot of talk about destroying Detroit. <laughs> this is not a pushover team, guys. This is this this team is 4 and 4 in their last 8 games. Mm-hmm. They're averaging 34 points per game their last 4 games going back to last year, okay? Mm-hmm. You're not I, I guess could you destroy them? Sure, but you didn't destroy them last year in either of those games. You probably should have lost both those games. So this whole like now they got to come back and destroy no, just just beat Detroit. I don't care if it's by 17 or a game-winning field goal. Just beat Detroit. You're not going to destroy Detroit. Statistically, this game should come down more so to the Vikings' defense because Detroit right now is second in the league in scoring offense, but as I said before, they're second to last in defense. So so this should be a game, especially at home, where the Vikings can put up points against Detroit. Uh, But this one, to me, is going to be squarely on. Can the defense stop them? You know, because I mean, it would it wouldn't be shocking to lose a a game that got into the thirties or potentially forties. Like if you oh, can't Jared, stop a team, right. can't Jared stop a Goff, team. Yes. Been a lot better lately. Okay, Jake Ward has a question about our tight end situation. It says we've talked about Irv Smith going up against linebackers and creating opportunities and mismatches, but so far I don't see it. I understand it's only two games, but as of now, Johnny Munt has played more snaps, is a much better blocking tight end, yeah. and oh, from yeah. what I've seen, is pretty good in the passing game. Do you think Irv Smith is going to reach his potential, or at least the potential that fans see in him? Or do you think Munt is taking most of the snaps and sticking around next season while the Vikings let Irv Smith leave for free agency? Thank you. Skull from Idaho. I feel like I've become an Irv Smith apologist, like an Irv Stan. Okay. Because, I saw, guy, man. because I saw because I saw because I saw training camp before he got hurt last year, and I'm telling you, it's true, he was fantastic. Um, here's my hope. He's missed a lot of time, and he didn't play. He didn't play a snap in 2021. Um, I have been underwhelmed to date, but that being said, I'm holding out hope that as as he gets more snaps and more passes directed his way. Um, that we see that the guy who caught the touchdown pass on Monday, not the guy that dropped it. So I am going to remain for now an Irv Smith stand because I think there's something there. But am I growing a little bit concerned? Absolutely. I'm worried he's going to get hurt again. But he definitely looks like a guy, not surprisingly, who didn't play for a year and is trying to get to get himself back in the swing of things. So for right now, I am holding out hope. Because, look, Johnny Munt's been a pleasant surprise. And the Johnny Munt's and Tyler Conklin's, right, those guys are important, and they need to block, and they certainly can catch some passes. But Irv Smith at his premium is not like he's got the same position as Munt, but he's not the same player at all. So that that's my hope is that there's more here. Yeah. Okay, Stuart Gonzalez-Blank says, something I was thinking about in relation of the generation of Vikings fans, what are the generations of football? 
We are obviously in the start of the mobile quarterback era, but some older generations I can think of. There's the bell cow running back generation, the pocket passer quarterback generation. Am I wrong? What are some of the the, the football generations you can think football. of? Well, it starts with a forward Thank pass, you. right? You want to go 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 all the way back? Nineteen twenties, I believe we we we, forward we, uh, we allowed we need to allow the forward pass. Oh my! Look at he's dropping back to pass. Uh, there was the guys running into the goalpost when it was on the goal line generation. Oh god, that was whose great. idea was that? By the way, yeah, for real. Well, let's put this giant pole right in the and they all it was the, two the at the time ones had two poles. Yeah, it was yes. like oh, and so guys were running like and think about you're if, right. if you're a tight end or a receiver or a, a wing back, whatever they called them back in the day, you're coming across the across the 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 field and you can just use the goalpost to screen a defender and a referee. Yep. And then guys would just get knocked out running into the goalpost too. I would say the seventy the seventies were definitely probably the bell the bell cow running back slash headhunting defensive back. <laughs> headhunting safety era. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean Jack Tatum era. And and you know you could you could try and basically kill a guy. Yeah, there. Well, then the defensive lineman could do the head slap yeah. too. The Deacon Jones head slap. But you go back and watch those hits that on, on passes when when guys dared to try and go over the middle for a pass. You go back and watch those hits; they are devastating. Dude, one of my when I was a kid, I just googled it. That's available for two dollars on Etsy. One of my favorite videos as a kid. It was produced by Sports Illustrated. And it was called NFL's Greatest Hits. Yeah. And yep. the cover of this video, it was a white VHS case. And it started off with like a couple guys in the in the old newsroom putting together a film. They're like eating and stuff. And the whole thing is just NFL players and quarterbacks getting murdered by defensive players. And the the video itself, like the cover of the VHS, it's NFL's Greatest Hits in all caps. Yep. And it's a picture of a poor guy getting folded up like an accordion with his head like cranked against oh, yeah. AstroTurf. Football porn. And I think it's like two, it's an, it's an, is it Eagles Bears? Yeah, it's like two Bears defenders just murdering some poor guy. <laughs> Buddy Ryan probably, and, his uh, defense. Oh, yes. 46. So I think somewhere in the 80s it was like steroided out, just like foaming at the mouth, neck rolls, yes. guys getting ambulanced off the field, AstroTurf. Yes. And then the NFL started moving away from that in the in the early 2000s. I think he got suspended, but but and now you you'd be suspended for like a year. Go back and watch the the Bears defender. I forget his name right now. Who picks up Jim McMahon? Or no, I'm sorry, the Packers defender, Charles Martin. He picks up McMahon after the ball's gone. So like the ball is long gone, and he spikes him. Like, he literally just spite. I mean, it's a wrestling move. Dude, it's so, it's so, yeah, it, that's, that's a different era. So there you go. I guess those are the generations. There's the spike quarterbacks. The 90s on our head is what generation. Then? Like, the 90s. I think 90s is, is bell cow running back. Okay. I think 90s is, because that's when you had, like, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Ricky Waters. Like, every team had an identifiable bell cow running back in the 90s. I feel like the bell cow Terrell running back. Davis. Went for like thirty years though, right? Because it started in probably, at least yeah, the sixties, and then it went your yeah. right through the nineties, and then yeah. the rules started to morph and change thanks to Randy Moss, largely. Yeah, 
That's right there. So, uh, there you go. I just found on YouTube NFL's greatest hits. It's from 1988. They have someone has taken this VHS and put it on YouTube. So, if you guys are bored over the weekend and you want to watch this, it's Phil will. It's a glorious. There's no question. Old Macadac, a glass of red wine, and the and, and his childhood. Yep. A little Pinot Noir and some NFL's greatest hits. All right, let's continue here <laughs> with Feedback Friday on Mackie and Judd. Vikings-related feedback. We'll go back to the Score North app here where Tyler Smith says, I think we are seeing the Vikings absolutely wasting the rookie-scale contract of Justin Jefferson. He is about to get paid, and we are going to be starting over soon. Um. So he has two years left on his contract, but really it's like one year of cheap contract. The fifth-year option will pay him quite a bit of money, yes. and then they'll get locked into, or not, I guess, a new contract. So they basically, in terms of like really cheap Justin Jefferson, you've got this year and next year to take advantage of it. And so you're kind of like you're trying to win as much as you can this year next year, but... How do you kind of view this? I I think it's really hard to justify paying him the most money of any wide receiver and then also paying a quarterback at that level and then trying to fill out the rest of your roster. So I think once you make the commitment to pay Justin Jefferson, you probably have to have a cheaper, younger quarterback option ready to rock and roll so that you can build the rest of the team out, right? Yeah, and this also is going to, uh, um, I think internally and probably has already, spark a conversation about not just players, but positional value, which which we have talked about for a while on our shows. But you know what you can't have? You can't have Dalvin Cook. You can't. Um, His position doesn't justify him. You can't have, you can't pay Harrison Smith. Exactly. You, You probably have to definitely move on from a guy like Kendricks. So I actually think that there's a case to be made in the NFL now. That that it's just going to be a fact. A guy like Jefferson's going to get paid, and I don't think that you can afford to lose him. Okay, um, so he's going to get paid, and the quarterback eventually. I, I mean, it won't be Kirk at some point in time. Hopefully, they draft one, which will be a tremendous break if that's a good player. But that player will eventually get paid too. Um, and what you're going to have to look at is one, not paying guys who you like because they're good if they don't play the right spot. Mm. And two, um, I also think that there's going to be a reality of behind Jefferson, you're going to have to try to cultivate, develop, and turn receivers into productive players, but you can't just pay them. So like if, so like the next Thielen, if he's playing behind Jefferson, you, you basically, Milk him for what he's worth on his rookie contract, move on. Yeah. You know what? If K.J. Osborne turns into a really good player, guess what? His first contract's done, he's gone. So, like, it's going to be a, it's gonna be an interesting game to watch, but I think the first thing that's not hard is, you know, the Vikings with Spielman became very loyal to guys at positions who, I, I think going back to when these guys signed their contracts, Phil, we sort of raised an eyebrow about and objected to, and this is going to be the why. There's a few really interesting contract situations coming up here for the Vikings. So I'm looking at next year, so 2023. So they have a lot they have a lot of big contracts, but some of them can be restructured or cut. You know, no, Kirk, Kirk is locked in at $36 million for a cap hit next year. And no trade. Right now, his cap hit is the third highest in the NFL. It's tracking to be very high again next year. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen is the second highest cap hit next year. 
but they restructured that deal in a way that makes it hard to get rid of him until after 2023. Yes. Because he has, so his cap hit is 20 million, but he has 13 and a half in dead cap. So you're, You'd save like six, but you'd still be paying him like 13 and a half in dead cap money. Harrison Smith is another guy. And that he has a $19 million cap hit next year. His debt cap is $11 million, meaning you can save, and I'm oversimplifying this, but you can save like seven or eight million by cutting him. But again, you're on the hook for like $11 million in cap in dead cap with him. Mm-hmm. So those those guys are really tricky and that you can say goodbye and you would save some money, but you're also eating a ton of cap space by just having them even off the roster. Zadarius Smith, you'd save a ton of money by saying goodbye to him, but if he has a resurgent season, I don't want to say goodbye to him. I want him around. Dalvin Cook, $14 million cap hit next year, $6 million in dead, so you could save $8 million by getting rid of him. I could see that happening. Yes, agreed. Uh, another one, Eric Kendricks, has an $11 million cap hit, but only $2 million in dead, which means you could save around $9.5 million by cutting him. Yeah, he's he's gone. gone for sure. Bye-bye. And there's a few other ones in here, like Jordan, Jordan Hicks. You could save a lot of money by cutting him for next year, too. He's probably so, gone as well. A lot of interesting roster decisions. Uh, Corey Larson via the Scorner Thap says, Hey, Mackie. Hey, Mackie. Mackie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mackie well, you can admit that you were wrong. Uh, Corey says, if Billy Guerin was the GM of the Vikings, how would he have handled this last offseason? <laughs> He's asking me to ask you guys, by the way. Oh. He doesn't care what my opinion is. I, oh, I thought he was asking you. as a Dex, go ahead. I think Jugs and Dex would like to take a stab at this. Uh, Billy is all about culture and all about kind of changing a room. And if that meant parting ways with the quarterback who he thought wasn't part of that culture, he would have done that swiftly and very quickly. There would be no more extension that he would have said goodbye and started over. Um, I mean, for the lack of a better, it took Billy a few years to do it, but he has gutted the majority of the wild roster from three years ago. Outside of, you know, the Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen's Matt Dumba's, their forwards are mostly brand new. Kirill Kaprizov's brand new. He's their new superstar that they've built around. He parted with Suter and Parisi, and he accepted those buyouts and those risks that are going to hurt the wild for the next few years, knowing that it's going to be better for the team in the short term and in the long term, hopefully too, um, he would have he would have gutted this place. I think he would have absolutely. I don't know if he would have been as quick as swift as getting rid of everyone right away, but I think he would have been able to make those changes pretty damn quick. Yeah, I think he would have left him alone for this year because, I, as far as we know, the most important thing here is this: the Wilfs basically put the brakes on changes. Like the <laughs> Wilfs are like, no, this team can win. Like I part of the reason why. Ryan Poles is not here is because of that. I think Poles is like, I'm going to blow up any team I take over. Well, no, you can't do that. Uh, but I but I will compare, because I don't know that Kirk is as detrimental as Suter and Parisi were. I'm going to say Garen would have eyed the KK club just like he did, which is Koivu and Kirk, I think, have some similarities. I think they really do because I don't very I, solid, solid, solid players. And I, you know what? I don't know. I can't tell you uh, that I have any evidence that Kirk Cousins in the locker room is a cancer or a poison. Where I think Parisi and Suter caused direct culture problems and don't think yeah. that they cared. So Kirk is actually there was a, a poll that came out that like Kirk's actually likable in kind he's of a, a like he's a. He's just he's just a good like he's yeah, he's kind of a goofy he's weird dork. kind of good pretty good guy yeah. like 
Um, yeah, he's just he's not an unlikable guy. I think there were times where Parisi and Suter were conniving. Yes, behind the scenes, oh, and Ryan was for sure and unlikable, and yeah. But Declan's they, right. It's funny because those. Good. Uh, he he's right. Ultimately, Garen would have blown this thing up. But here's the question: Crazy might too. Like we don't know what they're going to do. I think that they were. I think they were put in a holding pattern by ownership that said, "Oh man, we can win." But you know what? If they win seven, eight games, it's going to be proven that the Wolves were wrong. So, well, the next question's from Dave, and it's how short of a leash does the new Vikings leadership have? Changing a culture takes three years in most cases. I don't know if Cousins is capable of leading the team through a culture change. Your thoughts, Vikings fans, since 1969. Let me take a crack at this for a second. Mm-hmm. I am super curious. If they have a good season and they win 10 or 11 games and they make the playoffs, et cetera, then, like, cool, they've bought themselves a handful of years. If the season doesn't play out well, if they, let's say they lose to the Lions or whatever, and they, it's just, you know, I, I don't think they're going to train wreck, but let's say they go 8-9 and nine and they miss the playoffs or something. Sure. Then what? Do you say, okay, okay, let's let's keep pushing forward here, another year of Kirk, et cetera, or do you go to ownership and say, hey, guys, we got to, let's, can, can we trade Thielen? Let, can we get some assets for these guys in their 30s? Let's rip the bandit off, go into a rebuild, find a new quarterback, because Kirk will be 35 at that point. To me, the question is, if they keep, if they win and stuff, like, they're great. If they keep the Vikings tradition alive of winning nine games, like, they're fine for a long time. The ownership has has sat through that for a long time. If they don't win this season and they ask for a reset, how will that land with ownership? Oh, I love this. I love and this. Then, so and then, and then, and then, O'Connell. Think about this. So you you go. Let's say you go eight and nine or nine and eight. Maybe you maybe you do make the playoffs, but you get smoked or something in classic Vikings fashion. And you say, "Hey guys, we can keep doing this, but let's let's rip the bandaid off." And they say, "Okay, but we don't want to be in rebuild mode for long." And then in 2023, you have to endure like a five-win season. And now O'Connell has presided as a coach over falling short in his first year and then taking a huge step back in his second year. How much patience will people have that he's the right guy? Like, we're we're way ahead of ourselves here, but these are the types of things we think about on Mackie and Judd and Purple Dailies. <laughs> so what I would love to know is privately, what is the expectation of O'Connell with Kirk? Because they are law firm right now, it's Kevin and Kirk, and associates, and the que- and and so like because because you know Wes, what Wes Phillips is waiting to become a partner and Wes Phillips movie. is like oh man, <laughs> um, but if you look at what the Vikings are doing, okay, there are some to go back through those contracts. There are some contracts and veterans that can be jettisoned pretty simply. But what I want to know is what is the expectation and what is the agreement between. Crazy Kevin O'Connell and the Wilfs on Kirk. Because my question is not necessarily how many games do you win in 2022. My question is this. When it's all said and done, has Kirk been changed? Has Kirk been made into the guy that we saw in week one? Which, you know what, at times was damn impressive. But the guy we saw in week two was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've seen that that before with Zimmer here, with a bunch of OCs here. Um, I really think the main thing, the main judgment of O'Connell, and again, I'd be curious what was discussed when he signed his contract here is, what if, Phil and Dex, what if we get to the end of 2022 
And it's worked out okay, but Kirk hasn't really changed at all. And so Kevin was not the magic elixir to change Kirk. Then what do you do? Is that Kevin's fault, or can everyone say, "Hey, listen, right? We had high hopes. We he he's a good quarterback, but he's just this is the glass ceiling, and we still believe in Kevin, but we were wrong about getting Kirk to another level." Or is it, "Ooh, Kevin and Kirk are tied together," and right, yeah, all interesting fodder. Uh, let's see here. Caden Smith says, love the stuff you guys come out with. Enjoy the realistic conversation. I am 15 years old and usually don't know whether to be optimistic about the Vikings wild or Timberwolves or not. You guys help me to know when to be excited about these teams and when to start throwing bricks at the TV. Thanks for the great content that helps me get through my work days, mowing lawns, go Vikings. That's right. We are cultivating a stable of young Vikings fans, Minnesota sports fans. Awesome. And telling you, brainwashing you into 15. ripping the teams or celebrating the teams. Wow. <laughs> Mowing lawns. Were you guys were you guys consuming like sports media when you were fifteen years oh, old? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yes. I was yeah. In oh, third yes. grade I started consuming it and, yeah. and I've never stopped. Yeah. And I haven't grown up a bit. But. Uh, what about I guess like I consumed a ton of ES like Sports Center. I was right, baseball tonight, sports center. I didn't start listening to local sports radio. I would watch like local sports TV, like Mark Rosen as a kid or Joe Schmidt or whatever. Uh, I didn't start listening to sports radio, like people with opinions on things until I was probably more in high school, like later high school, oh, college. Man, yeah. uh, my dad was pretty big into a local sports talk station. He had his own moniker and everything for his favorite noon to three show. Oh, wow. So he was, view, uh, he was very was much he, into that. Was he dr- drummer guy or Red Sox guy? He was, uh, he was B Street guy because we lived on, on B Street growing up. So, so my dad okay. had, his, had his own moniker for that and loved uh, go seeing his buddy Dan Cole. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I started consuming local sports talk with Royce and Souchere back in the day. Uh, KSDP actually had a a ro- had at one point a rotating cast of writers and talk show hosts who would do a nightly sports show. I think it was from six to eight in like 1980, which, which is when I started. And I think that's when I think that was the first time that the market got like true sports talk. Because before then, it was, you know, coming up next to sports. The Twins beat the Royals 3-2 by George Brett. Had a great night. Let me tell you about it. You know, that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, I loved it. I've always loved it. I always find it funny. We didn't have to do it, do, go too aggressive on this. But, like, a lot of local sports TV is still doing that. It's like, coming up next, we'll say if the Wild hung on in Calgary. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just check my phone. Per- I, I did love me some Perkett play, man. Perkett play. That was a good Perkett. idea. Oh, I loved that. That was a real good play. idea. He was here. He's filling on my talk a few weeks ago, and I, I saw and talked to him for a little bit down the hall here, and I, I loved me some Perkett play, doing some goofy-ass things. I that was innovative. Yeah, yeah. He, was, uh, he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are probably wondering, why. how did that guy on the right lose so much weight over the past year? Well, our friends at Livia have helped Judd keep 40-plus pounds off over the last 12 months. Yes, and not just me. I'm down, as Phil j- just said, 40 pounds. Dawn is down 16 plus pounds. Our friend Chris Ron, who works down the hallway, is down 10 plus pounds. Look, this works. The offer right now, eight weeks free. That's exactly right. Eight weeks. So your first eight weeks, you are losing weight for free. And the new Flex program lets you enjoy the foods that you love. That includes fruit. That includes pastas, even bread. This program works, and it helps you, probably most importantly, Keep the pounds off, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Start your journey to weight loss today by going to 
Livia.com and join a lot of folks on from our Score North uh, family who have also lost the weight. Livia.com. Federated Insurance also helping us keep the lights on at Score North and Purple Daily, and they are helping maximize your business's success if you will let them. So Federated is all about equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These are the four cornerstones that create the foundation that supports all of their interactions. They carry over these principles and cornerstones to your business, and you can find out how they can help protect you against unwanted risks. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, one more here on this Feedback Friday. Marcus via Twitter poses a question. I love these because you could you could do this for so many different quarterbacks, but if Kirk Cousins played for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts played for the Vikings, who wins that game on Monday night? I think the Eagles still win the game, but oh boy, that's a that's kind of a fun. That's question. a curveball. Oh. I like that question. Um, the Eagles still win because the Vikings' defense in the first half was terrible. But I do like Jalen Hurts. Uh, I do like the thought of could Jalen Hurts take advantage of the second half opportunities that the Eagles presented the Vikings if he was a Viking. Yeah. That that's the one I don't know because the Vikings. I mean, my God, Philadelphia turnovers, penalties. Like they certainly opened a door, and we sort of dismissed it because, unfortunately, the, the Vikings' offense looked so feeble when they got those chances. Here's the, here's the better hmm. question. All right, not to not to besmirch just Marcus's question. <laughs> besmirch. I love that word. So uh you I'm going to I'm going to take his question and ask it this way cuz it's hard to be like, "Oh, well, I mean, if Kirk was, you know, would they have jumped up to that lead?" I How many quarterbacks? I'm going to go down the list, you give me a yes or a no. The Eagles left the door open for the Vikings throughout the entire second half. And I know that if that game got closer, the Eagles probably throttled down a little bit more offensively. You know, they they probably score another touchdown or something to put the game out of reach. Maybe the Vikings start to come back, and it's 24-21, and then the Eagles go score a touchdown. So I get that they probably took their foot off the pedal offensively, but hear me out. How many of these quarterbacks would have made that a close shave game when the Eagles left the door open? Because Kirk was unable to kick it open. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And and I'll and to well, define the question, close. would the Vikings have come back to like have a chance at the end, despite the fact that they were down twenty four seven? If Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback, I think I think they're in it at the end. I'll say flat out, I think they win it at the end. Like that's a game wow. made for him. Aaron Rodgers, I actually think they still get smoked because Rodgers is kind of a front running quarterback today. Now. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, six years back, no. Today, yes, they get smoked. Justin Herbert. I think it's a game. I think it's a game, but I don't know that they win. Josh Allen. It's a game. Mm -hmm. It's a game. They might win that one. Mm -hmm. They might win that one. I could see him kicking the door down and then continuing to score points as well. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. Today, no. He gets pissed. They lose. If it was January, they come back. Oh, well, then then that's different. Yeah. No, in, I, in September, yeah. I think he just says, screw it. Yeah, I think he Whatever. spikes the tablet, yells at Donatel, <laughs> and is kicked. Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Got a, or yeah. Kyler Murray. 
I'll give you those two guys. Lamar Jackson, I think, comes back and rallies the troops. I don't know that they win, but it's a very close game. Yeah. Kyler Murray, it depends on the day. It's uh, it's yeah. if it's a COD double XP weekend, uh, no, you won't be able to do that. That's been the correlation of his struggles. I'm sorry, what? What? Call of Duty, COD. So, so the, there's a whole thread of of when there's a double XP weekend on the video game Call of Duty, which when you're playing online, you earn double XP and you can build up your character a little bit more. When there's a double XP weekend for Kyler Murray, his team loses. So he's spending a ton of time playing Gaming. Call of Duty. There's a whole there's a whole thing on film. it. That is correct. There's a whole thing. I on forgot it. that I when I said COD to two guys, you, don't, you have no idea what COD there's is. A, that went right over. Well, both I know your what heads. Call of Duty is, but right. I've never heard it abbreviated to it's COD. COD. Yeah, that's what the kids say. Do you play COD? I'm not a Call of Duty guy. Um, I was more of a Halo guy for Xbox. Big time oh, Halo guy. Dude. Yeah, me love me some Halo. Um, never really got too much into COD. I, I was I was much more. Of a halo, dude. When Judd hears Cod, he's like Friday fish fry, right? Yeah, God, extra crispy French fries. Battered. Call of Fried? Duty means Tiger something sauce? entirely different to me, so we'll just move on. Okay, does it? Call of Duty. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phil Goldeneye for the N64 is being re-released among platforms. I don't know if you played some Goldeneye for. N64 you know, it's it's like up. the one popular '90s game that I never really got into, and it's I was Bond. Never a Goldeneye I guy. figured, like you know, it's right up to be right up your wheelhouse. I'm a little shocked by that. I played uh, Medal of Honor and Halo throughout the late 90s, early 2000s yeah. on Xbox and PlayStation. Those are kind of my, my first-person jams. So, well, that's, that's the Feedback Friday for you guys here. We're, just, we're here for all of you, whether it's to celebrate our teams when they deserve it or provide therapy sessions. Mackie and Judd, don't forget Vikings Vent Line over on the Purple Daily YouTube channel right after Vikings-Lions finishes up on Sunday. See you guys.